Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. This week's been quite the week, huh? You guys all having a difficult week? Some of you? (laughs) Some of you are like, this is the best week of my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny because this week... um, I got quite a bit of calls from people. It's just like there's people have been struggling. Um, <laughs> some funny ones. Uh, I got a call from Jonathan, who's our worship leader, and um, he was working on a site. I don't know if you guys know that Jonathan goes to California uh, once a month because his job is uh, to work as a safety consultant uh, for uh, a construction company. And so they were out there this week and his crew hit a gas line right when he was there. And all of the people around him told him that he turned into the flash as he sprinted abnormally fast away from what could have been a massive explosion. And he was hopping over these big old walls. Now, mind you, it didn't go off. He is fine. He's okay. But he's stuck in California because... Uh, They had to do some extensive investigations, and so he's not with us today. Um, My wife got really sick this week with with something that's going on with her jaw, and then I guess uh, Bianca's kids all got really, really pukey. So it's been quite a bit of sob stories this week, and so I was talking to my wife, and I was like, hey, I I can't wait to preach tonight. She's like, so what are you talking about? I'm like, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. (laughs) And she's like... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was an interesting kind of correlation. But uh, um, just kind of as a front um, before we go into the rest of the sermon, if there is something that you've been struggling with this week, uh, I want to make sure that when we go into groups in the evening, like we want to pray for what's going on. So if you're struggling, if there's something that's in your life, that's what we want to do. We want to pray for one another. And we're going to touch this pretty heavy as we go through the rest of the message. But I wanted to say, I believe that God is doing something powerfully in the undercurrent right now. I'm really excited about what God has been producing in us. And I'm really excited about what he wants to do with you. So I want to pray for you. We're here to build each other up and to pray for one another's needs. So keep that in mind as we go into the rest of the night. We have been in a series on the book of Luke for the last year. I've been in Luke for a year now. That's crazy. Uh, I'm only in chapter six, so <laughs> like we've got 24 chapters. This means that I'm going to be on Luke for four years. I'll try to speed it up. Anyway, we have been kind of uh, going over this topic of renewal. So if you guys want to join with me, I'm going to go right to Luke chapter six. I'm going to go into verse 12, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. You can follow me on the screen. 
One day soon afterwards, Jesus went onto a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Here are their names. Simon, who he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him. Let's go ahead and pray. Come, Holy Spirit. I just pray that this text and the message that you have tonight would just touch us in a way that is just powerful. Would you just empower us with your presence and empower us just with uh, just what this message's content's about tonight. I just pray that you would anoint me tonight and that everything would make sense in Jesus' name. I was uh, kind of laughing at myself the last couple of weeks because I go into big concepts and I was talking with uh, one of our group leaders at the end of the night and I said, hey, what did you guys get out of the message? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. And I'm like, oh, good. That means I've got to change quite a bit of stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of playing. I've been doing this for a year now, and so there's been a lot of things that I'm experimenting with. But I want you guys to know, like, feedback is good. So if you guys come to me and you say, hey, Jared, I'm not getting this, or I want to I wanna hear better, like, I want that because I want to be better at my <coughs> job. I want to really just give the best material that we have. And so last week I went to more of a um, more of a practical way of looking at things, and I'm going to continue in that vein tonight. So I want to give some quick uh, overview of what we've been talking about. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, we started our series on renewal. We've been in Luke chapter six, and Jesus has been gathering a large following of people. And they are all following him because he's been healing the sick, he's been casting out demons, he's been loving the poor, he's been doing the things that everyone's been anticipating the Messiah to do. And so he gathers his disciples and he goes up onto a mountain and he chooses 12 of them to do as he does, that they were going to be his inner circle, he was going to teach them all of his teachings and they were going to participate in the things that he would do. And 12 is a very significant number. Just to kind of clear that air, 12 is the representation of the amount of people, or the amount of tribes of Israel. It started with 12 sons of Jacob. There is a, and so what Jesus sees his mission as, what Jesus sees his job as, is to uh, fulfill Israel's story, to renew the covenant uh, for Israel. And so these 12 guys are going to be that catalyst. Jesus is uh, trying to make everyone aware that he is fulfilling the story of Israel. And so what we've been doing the last few weeks is we've been looking at how does Jesus' ministry tie into the story of Israel? And how do we, as followers of Jesus, tie into that story as well? So we started off with Abraham. And then a couple of weeks, we went through the Exodus. The Exodus was the story of how Israel was set free from slavery, went into the wilderness where they became the people of God at Sinai, and they're on this journey to the promised land. And this week, we're going to tackle the idea of going into the promised land. So when Israel gets to where they're going, 
they are forced into a war of conquest. They are going to go into this land, and there are these people called the Canaanites, and there's several tribes of people that are living here. But they are going in to eradicate evil. They're going in to push out the people who have done evil inside of the Lord, and they're going to exterminate this thing called the giants. There are these giants in the land. And so when you see in the passage where it says they have to eliminate them all, they're talking about the giants because the giants are these non-human abominations. They are these spiritual entities that are in fleshly bodies. And so they come in and they conquer and it's to eliminate them. Israel's driving out of the Canaanites is an act of God. It is... God's judgment against the evil people of Canaan, uh, against the evil that the people of Canaan committed against one another and against the giants who fueled that. I want to highlight one thing that we're going to talk about this evening, and that is that we have been called into a spiritual war. Okay? Israel goes in, and it's a spiritual war for them. It's not just uh, a war against flesh and blood. This isn't just the extermination of human beings. This is to eradicate evil. And the end result of this was that they would push out uh, the people that were evil, but they would also exterminate these giants that were corrupting everyone. So at the end, you end up with the tribes inhabiting the land. They live there, and now they've cast out evil. Jesus sees his ministry, very similar. And we're going to use a parallel. This is not equivocal, but this is a parallel. Where Jesus comes onto the scene, and the first thing he does is he picks a fight with Satan. He goes into the wilderness right after he's baptized and filled with the Spirit, and he's tempted for 40 days by the enemy. And he ends up winning this fight. And when he comes out of that, he begins to heal the sick. He begins to cleanse the diseased. He begins to uh, cast out demons. And he says, the kingdom of God has arrived. And what he's saying is, the kingdom of God has come, and the kingdom of Satan is going to be no more. So I want to focus right here, that we have been drafted, we have been brought into a, we have been brought into a spiritual war. And I want to answer three questions along that topic tonight. The first question is, who are these enemies? The second question I want to ask is, how do we fight them? And the third question I want to answer tonight is, what is the end result? So who are these enemies? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians, he gives us kind of an insight. He says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are, not fighting, uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So we see that we have rulers, authorities, powers, evil spirits. So there's some sort of hierarchy that we have of the demonic. Now, we've talked plenty on uh, Genesis 1 through 11 and how the world has come to where it's at. 
and we have Satan and his cohorts that are running and controlling and manipulating the world. We don't exactly know how that's organized, and I would be lying to you if there's some sort of like secret in the Bible that tells us that. But what we do know is that we have kind of two divisions. On one side, we have territorial spirits that, uh, who orchestrate the manipulation or control human beings in nations, regions, and cities. So we have these beings that kind of live up in the, in the, in the heavens, and they manipulate what happens on the ground. And then we have what we call demons. They're lesser spirits. And these are the spirits of the giants, the Nephilim. And these lesser spirits do the bidding of these other dark powers, and their job is to torment human beings and to control people through demonization. So that's kind of bleak. We have this world, and it's given to dark powers, and human beings are now subject to these dark powers because of times past and sin and brokenness. So the question I want to answer now is, how do we fight in this spiritual war? I want to say that we fight by doing two things. We take territory from them, and we occupy that territory. Now, when I say territory, territory, is, uh, territory in the spiritual war is not a physical land. Like, we're not going into a foreign land. We're not taking over this location. Like, you and I, we're not going to go get our guns and go down to, you know, the county station and say, you're godless, and we're going to pop them unless they accept Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. The, the territory we are talking about are human beings. You're the territory that's being conquered. You're the territory that is being taken. There's this story in Luke chapter 10, which will somehow get there eventually when I get through Luke a little bit further. But he sends out the 72 disciples, and they go out, and they begin to do as Jesus did. He says, go and heal the sick. Go and tell them the kingdom's coming. So they heal the sick, and they cast out demons, and they come back to Jesus after this missionary movement, and they're like, hey, this is awesome. We got to heal people and these demons, they obeyed when we said your name. And Jesus is so happy. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That is what happens when the kingdom comes. If Satan loses ground when the, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes and he heals people and he sets people free and they come into this space. How are we to go about this then? How are we to set people free? I want to say that we do two things to take ground. The first thing we do is we pray. There's a prayer part of this, this journey. Whenever the Apostle Paul would go into a, a region or a city, before he would go there, he would set up his team and they would all pray. And they would say, would you give us insight? Would you tell us how to do these things? Would you show us what would happen? And multiple times in the book of Acts, we see that the Lord would give them a vision and they would give them an insight. And he said, hey, go to this land. They're ripe for harvest. Or there's people ready for you for the gospel here. And what we want to do as a church is we want to begin to pray for God to begin to soften the hearts of people. That's kind of the role of the Holy Spirit, is we're partnering with the Holy Spirit in prayer, and we're targeting you know, specific people that we want to see saved. 
We want to see God save specific family members or, or pray for our business or the schools that our children attend or the workplaces that we go into. We want to pray for our city and pray that God would bless Traverse City or Kalkaska or wherever you go. We want to pray because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that goes and he softens. He's the one that's preparing the heart for the harvest. And so prayer is a dynamic we need to learn before we do the fun stuff, before we go and just reach the lost. We want to pray that God is going to reach your neighbor. This is a prayer that I often pray and something that just a food for thought or a suggestion. When I'm praying, I'm praying for Traverse City. I want to see God do something mighty in Traverse City. And so I pray something like this. I say, Father, I pray over Traverse City. I pray that you would soften the hearts of people in and around Traverse City, and I pray that you would, bring, uh, you would begin to prepare them to receive the gospel of your Son. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would go ahead of us and make yourself evident in the hearts of those who do not, uh, who do not yet know you. I say, I pray this in Jesus' name. I want, I want the Spirit to do a work in the people out there. But I also want to push us to begin to think about people that aren't here yet. I want us to begin to pray for people who are far from God. There's always that story of the person that's impossible to reach. And yet we pray for that person and we contend for that person. All of a sudden they become a Christian. You're like, how did that happen? Well, it's the Lord doing something on the inside. He's the one that's stirring things up. He's the one that's placing events in front of him. He's the one that's doing all of these things that it, it, we used to call him Jehovah Sneaky in our Pentecostal services. Because he would just sneak up and do things that we never thought he would do. But our role in this is to pray, to partner with him, to really see God move in this space. Because he wants to answer our prayer, but he asks us to pray. That's a part of our offensive thrust. The second, part of, the second part of taking territory is evangelism, right? When people accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, Satan's kingdom diminishes. That's kind of what we're trying to accomplish, that we're going out and we're preaching the gospel and we present to them the truth. Now, mind you, it's not your responsibility to convince them. It's your responsibility just to tell them, you know. Uh, it, is your it is not your responsibility to get people saved. It is your responsibility to share the gospel. Sharing our faith is also partnering with the Spirit. We cannot convince anyone by ourselves. The Holy Spirit is the one who is interacting with the heart of the person. When we're, when we're talking to someone, it's the Spirit that's doing the work. When we're praying for someone, it's the Spirit doing the work. We are just a part of this. We're a partner with the Spirit who is doing the action. That's why I love Alpha. Alpha's designed that way. The reason I want to do Alpha is because when people come into an environment, and I'll tell you kind of why, like what we'll do for a second. When people come into an environment and they hear a talk, They'll sit down and then they'll just chat. I heard this story of an engineer who went through Alpha recently. And he listened to all the talks. He, he comes in 
and he's skeptical the whole time. He goes eight weeks into the whole thing, skeptical as all belief, and no one is trying to throw it down his throat. They watch a talk. The talk is just like, this is the truth claim. This is what God's doing. This is what we believe based on the scriptures. This is what we understand. And then they go into the next section where they're like, hey, what do you think about that? And he's like, that's BS. I hate that stuff. That doesn't make any sense. He gets to the last week, which is the weekend away. And the weekend away, they go to a secluded place and they go through two or three more talks. And the last talk is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to receive Christ and do you want to be filled with the Spirit? And the guy goes, why not? (laughs) Why not? I'll just do it. So they pray for him, and the dude falls over and starts twitching and just powerful Pentecostal encounter. I'm like, whoa, that's cool, <laughs> you know? And mind you, this is a vineyard. Like, we, we believe in that, but it's also one of those things where it's like it caught them off guard. It was like, oh, wow, that happened. <laughs> and the guy gets up like 15, 20 minutes later, and he's crying and he's weeping, and it's like, I just had kind of tiny bit of faith. Like, I didn't know that was going to happen but I'm so glad that it did. And that happened five years ago. The guy's still serving the Lord. And it's something, it's something that we are not trying to force anyone to have this experience. We're not trying to make anyone make a decision. We're inviting them to a safe space where they can have that conversation. Alpha is an open-handed evangelism approach. We partner with the Holy Spirit by setting tables and inviting others to it creating a safe place for people to, empl- uh, to explore the faith. Then we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of revealing Christ to them. That's all we're doing. We come in. We're going to have food over here on the table. We're going to eat for a half an hour. There's a laugh. We're going to talk. We're going to watch a video. After that video, we'll get into tables, and we'll have table leaders, and we'll have a discussion on what the topic of the video was. And we're going to allow anybody to say whatever they want. They do not have to agree with us. We're going to watch the Spirit touch their heart week after week after week. And some will stay and some will leave. And that's okay. Because all we're looking for is for people to experience God. And we want to just set the table so that they feel welcome here. And that's what we're going to do. That's our evangelism approach this fall. We want to just set the table for people to come and feel like they're a part of our family. No, I'm running out of time, so let me quickly go through the second part is we've talked about taking territory now we're talking about occupying territory what does it mean for us to occupy territory well if the territory is the human heart and you have been won by Christ then the occupation is that we are now being discipled and we are living a life in the spirit right we are now taking responsibility for who we're called to be we become what Christ has called us to be, like him. We occupy territory when we disciple people into doing life God's way and experience God's spirit. We occupy territory when people become disciples. And the way that we become disciples is through the scriptures. We teach the scriptures. You become inundated with what the Bible says. We give you what God requires. We teach you how to live. And that should bring out a moral and ethical life. You should live that as you are developing in the spirit. You should become a powerful person by living morally and living ethically. And we should be doing good for, uh, uh, for people 
in our communities, both inside the church and outside the church. The scriptures should bring us to a life that is doing good and loving people, but it also should, leave us, uh, should lead us to a life in the spirit. We should also be le being led by his presence. And that looks like we have love in our life. That looks like we're loving one another well. In pain, in hurt, we still love one another. We forgive one another. We do right by one another. We love you. We love the Lord. There should be joy in our life. Even when pain hits, we should be able to have joy that the Lord is with us, that his presence is still there. We should be able to have peace. Even though there's anxiety and struggles and hurt, we should always feel that sense that he's with us and for us. That even in the midst of all the anxiety that's out there. I recently, I recently hit, um, I saw a statistic the other day, and I'm not sure if it's correct or not, but there's a good percentage of Americans that are on antidepressants and they're on anxiety medications. We live in a world right now that everyone's afraid of everything. Everyone is struggling with the day-to-day. -day. Fear has become the norm. And if we have the Prince of Peace in our life, we should be able to share that. We should, one, experience it, because now we have access to the Holy Spirit who can bring us peace. But then we also need to release that to people. People should not experience this anxiety. This should be the first thing that we come and say, we have this, you need this. That should be something we emulate. Patience. Oh, I hate this one. There's been so many things that I've had to learn how to be patient. Um, I heard this quote the other day. It says, most people overestimate what they can do in a year, and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. And I sat there and like, crud muffins. That's going to be me, isn't it? I'm going to have to like wait on these dreams, and I'm going to have to just do the hard things. Because I want to do things right now. We all want to do self-gratification things. We want it now. It's my money, and I want it now. Anybody hear that commercial? But what if we just set our minds to saying, hey, I want to leave a legacy. We have a church culture that's like, we got to do this right now, and we got to do everything tomorrow. When God's like, hey, look, a day of the Lord is like a thousand years. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a long time. Okay, so how do we take on God's patience? How do we set into God's timing? Instead of trying to make it on our own and do the things that we need to do right now and think we need to do right now, how do we take a moment and say, okay, God, how can you use this? Moses was 80 years old when he started his journey. I don't want to wait till I'm 80. You don't want to wait till you're 80. But this is the thing. We need to look and see and put our hearts and posture it towards what is the future? What can we do? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things should be exuded from our life. This is the life in the spirit that the, he does internally, that he tests us. That's why we are tested in so many areas of our life. Oh goodness, I have to learn this the hard way. Well, yes, you do. Because this is what God is doing. It's a holistic change. You are not going to be perfect tomorrow because we're inheriting a kingdom that we're being trained to do. 
We're, we're being trained to do something in the future. He's maturing us. And as we grow, every growth thing that we're going through is orchestrated by him. Every hardship, every pain can be used. God does not look at you as a failure. He's saying, can you pick yourself up and move forward? Just because you failed yesterday doesn't mean you need to fail tomorrow. I can use you at any time. Just step in to a life in the Spirit. It also looks like being in a community of believers regularly. We were never meant to go through war alone. If one guy stormed Normandy, we would not have beat the Nazis. It took a lot of people to get off that boat and attack that thing. You are not alone. You don't have to wrestle with your pain alone. You are not unique in the fact that you have the one pain that no one's ever gone through. You don't have the excuse to say, well, you don't understand that. We are meant to be a community that goes and fights for one another when we're down, that prays for one another when we're sick, that stands in for one another who are lacking in all of those attributes. Because God is for us, he has empowered us to be for us. You don't get to do this by yourself. We are a family. We follow this. You have the Holy Spirit, but you've also been given a family. And the Holy Spirit works within a family dynamic. Okay. Last question, and I'll be quick, is what is the end result of this war? Paul says it like this. He says, after that, the end will come. When he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father. This is him finally winning. He has come. He has returned. Having destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus overthrows his enemies by two means. One of those is us. He overthrows the divine powers through our actions by us going and partnering with the Spirit. He uses you and me to reach people who are broken, to tend to the needs of the hurting, to be a witness. And the second thing is he uses his own sovereign decrees. God is in charge of everything, and he is manipulating the world to his end. Everything that he is doing, everything we are doing, it's foreseen. He knows it. He's planned it. He's, he's orchestrating these things. We are a part of the grand orchestra of the end of the world. He is coming, and you and I get to be a part of that journey. Because God is so good and he's training sons and daughters to inherit the promised land. Just like Israel, he says, this is the land I'm going to take you to, but you've got to go into war for it. You've got to drive out the evil. You've got to kick it out. And when you do, you're going to land there. You're going to, you're going to enjoy this land. Israel got to enjoy the land because they drove out the Canaanites. We're going to enjoy the kingdom because he's matured us and we fought the good fight. We've won the race. The end of it all is that we win. You win because Christ won. 
Because when Christ comes, he defeats it all. He just defeats all of the brokenness of the world. And you and I get to share in that victory. We get to be a part of that. So why don't we stand? I'm going to bless you. We're going to jump right into our groups. Father, I thank you for what you're doing amongst us. I pray that you would bring strength to you would bring strength to the, the feeble knees, God. I, I just pray right now, you say that you bring strength to the knees of the anxious. And I pray for those who are experiencing fear, and I just pray that you bring peace right now. I pray that you would bring uh, just your, your power in this place. I just pray healing to those who are sick. And I pray a boldness upon those who want to take a risk and bring people to Alpha and to the church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to mold us and challenge us to take risks, to become mature. And God, I pray that you would be upon this church and upon us, that you would continue to grow it because a healthy family grows. And I thank you, God, for all of these people. Would they be blessed? And would you just come into the next session and bless them more in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. To connect with us, be sure to visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. We hope to see you soon.